la 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 Can you get me for copyright on that one? I don't think so. Because <laughs> I did that so terribly. Oh boy. All right, it is time for another Q&A episode. Boy, I've been loving these. And all of you seem to have been loving these. Uh, I, I really enjoy doing them where I can just spend a good hour doing Q&A. Uh, I know a lot of people were, well, a little miffed that, uh, that I took the Q&A segment out of Sovereign Tech proper. Um, but part of it was, is that I got so many questions, like there's no way I, every week Sovereign Tech would just have to be a question show. Um, I have, I have such a backlog that, that I'll be doing for all of these episodes. And it really just comes down to how many can I record uh, or, you know, how many can I get to within an hour or sometimes I even take an hour and a half or whatever. Um, so anyway, I know people were disappointed, but I'm so glad uh, all the people, and we keep adding them on every week, more people uh, come on already this week. This is Wednesday. Of course, I try to release these Q and A's every Wednesday. I can't guarantee that, that, you know, like I, I can't make that a hundred percent guarantee. Like with, with the official sovereign tech, I make damn fucking sure that every Saturday, if, even if it's specific time that you're getting an episode. Um, but in any case, I try to get these out every Wednesday. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm all over the place. So, <laughs> uh, Thank you so much, of course, for all those that donate. Uh, this being Wednesday, we've already got some new people donating. That's what I was going to say. Uh, and I, I really appreciate it. Um, I hope you enjoy the Q&A episodes. If any any of the content that I'm putting out there, if you have like, oh, I, I'd like more of this or I want to hear more of this, some people have let me know. Like, like they've told me, well, I want to hear more history. I want to hear more about that. And I am more than happy to get into all of that. I, I that's a, It's a fun subject uh, for me to talk about. It is, well... As I've often said, you know, I'm a gamer first, I'm a historian second, and I am a, you know, I'm a tech journalist third. Uh, so anytime I can get into number two, well, that came out funny, but I'm double pun, but <laughs> I like to do that. Uh, you know, I like to get into the history and stuff. And I think later in this episode, we are going to get in knee deep into some history. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'll save that for, um, for later on. Uh, before, before I get into our first question, I'm going to try to get into three questions here. I'm going to try and make it as quick as I can. Um, before I do that, I just want to briefly mention that, um, we are thinking there's some thought of, because we've, we've talked about, and I've mentioned on this before, uh, the lovely and hyper-intelligent Dr. Stephanie Murphy and I, we've talked about building a second studio and we are working on it, a second studio, uh, here in the dungeon, which if you haven't noticed yet, yes, I am recording on the Blue Yeti once again, and I am in the dungeon. Um, and in, in so doing, not just doing like this really simplistic, you know, second studio that's, that's just utilitarian and designed to maximize uh, the, you know, maximize audio quality with as small a budget as possible. That's still something we're looking at, of course, but... I've, I've wanted, I've been tempted to get into, uh, doing video, uh, a little bit, you know, not, not a lot, but the videos I would do would be high end. I'm not talking about doing video to where, and this is no offense to anybody that does this. I'm not talking about video to where it just kind of like switches between, 
you know, faces, talking heads and all that. I'm not talking about doing that. I'm talking about doing full, full video to where there's a studio uh, that gets built. Um, and I already had so a lot of the equipment needed to do this. I have listed um, at uh, the Amazon wish list for Sovereign Tech, which is at wishlist.zog.ninja uh, to find that. But I mean, there's some, you know, I, I have some interesting ideas. And I mean, there would be, you know, an automated camera, all, all, all kinds of, uh, of wild stuff uh, that I have that I have in mind for it. So uh, you can let me know if this is, I mean, since I consider the Patreon subscribers like, like, I don't want to say you're the diehard fans or anything, because I, I wouldn't want you to think that, like, you just, you know, follow anything I do. Um, you know, I'm just saying that, like, you know, you're the people that are that are a little more invested in what comes out of my mouth in, in, in a very in a very real way. And, I, and I'm so honored by that. Uh, I hope it's I hope you see it as much as value for value as I do. Um, and so, you know, I'm thinking about doing video. Uh, I have a lot of other projects that I'm still working on and that need to get completed and all that. But I'm just, I guess I'm just asking like kind of outright, like what, what do you think uh, about video? And I'm talking about doing documentary style video uh, where, you know, I mean, and it could be full on documentaries on things, uh, you know, really, really serious, uh, more high end stuff because to do high end work, you actually don't need a whole lot of money. Uh, you know, to, to make that, to make that happen. Uh, so I, th- I think it's very possible. Um, I've recently studied what it takes to make a, you know, a, a set, a studio set, uh, to where, you know, people can have like, you know, a couch where people can even sit down and do interviews or, you know, where at least you can walk around to some degree and show off, you know, sort of what you're talking about and blah, blah, blah. Uh, so just let me know, you know, if you want, if you want to message me on Patreon, if you want to leave a comment at the bottom of the sound on Patreon, you know, take advantage of the social media aspects of Patreon, uh, you know, please don't hesitate to do that. Or you can email me. It's totally up to you how you want to get in touch with me. Uh, but I am intrigued by that. Um, I also have some other projects, one of which is done that I've been working with uh, just a great friend on um, that I, I am looking forward to. It, it's been t- it's, so some of this admittedly is tough. Like my schedule is really, really insane. Uh, and it has been due to, you know, due to some, some family things, uh, you know, as late um, that, you know, where it's been really crazy. And I have not, I, it's been very difficult to stay on top uh, of responding to people and, and to getting other, you know, some projects forwarded. But that that's kind of settled now. So anyway, uh, so, you know, there, there's some other great projects coming. I mean, there's going to be a lot of, I, I, I'm a firm believer in getting out a lot of value to people uh, because people have very, been very gracious in their donations. People have been very gracious in, you know, being patrons, you know, being pat- Patreon subscribers. Uh, and, and overall, just people are interested in, you know, in, in hammering out what we hammer out on Sovereign Tech. And I, I'm really honored by all that. Uh, so anyway, so I, I want to, you know, I'm just thinking of ways get this next level uh, because, I mean, straight. I'm I'm not boasting here. Please, please understand. This isn't meant to be a boast. I'm just saying that Sovereign Tech reaches out with the with anarch, anarchist ideals to audiences that I don't know many other shows that 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 do. Uh, many other shows with anarchist ideals that you know that that reach these kinds of audiences. Um, I. You know, as much as I've tried, and I've talked about this on, on other Q&As, I've talked about it, where, you know, I've tried to kind of break into, it's it's weird, I tried to break into, you know, certain anarchist circles, and it just never, I don't know, it just doesn't click. Like, like I don't get it. I mean, there's you, obviously, but, but you know, to, to trying to get into more, like, mainstream anarchist crowds, 
Uh, it doesn't seem to happen, and I'm not exactly sure why. Uh, I, I mean, I have theories, you know, <laughs> uh, but but it, you, I just, for whatever reason, you know, I, I, I just don't break into those, uh, those echelons of, of anarchism, and even though it's kind of crazy that there's echelons in anarchism. Anyway, pardon me, I'm just going to have a little swig of uh, seltzer water here. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. Ah, lime, lime seltzer. All right. Tried doing water only. Didn't exactly work, but seltzer definitely helped me kick the soda habit. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so that's something I'm thinking about. I just, I'd love to hear what you have to say. And from time to time in, in these various, you know, specials, uh, I may ask uh, the patrons what, you know, your thoughts on things, on, you know, directions perhaps to take it. I mean, it's just, it's, it's good to know. And I think, I, and I'm not saying this because you listen to my show. I do consider that somewhat of a barometer of you having, you know, a certain uh, mentality, but I think you're smart people, uh, very smart people. And so, uh, you know, why wouldn't I want to ask you a question? Just like I think a lot of times you ask me because, you know, you, you feel that I'm not going to say I'm a smart person, but just that I'm knowledgeable in certain subjects. And, you know, I'm honored by that. And, uh, you know, I would be honored if you gave me an answer on, on some of the questions that I ask you. Not that you have to, please. <laughs> I'm not expecting anything. Uh, I'm just saying I, I know I have a very intelligent audience. Uh, that is one of the goals of, of Sovereign Tech. One of, you know, one of the, the growing goals of Sovereign Tech is that it doesn't treat the person listening to the sound of my voice as a moron. Um, as to where most... You know, most uh, infotainment, you know, most anything, most any media creation is designed to appeal to the masses, to, to, to the muprons, you know, to, it's designed to appeal to the average. And I totally disagree with that. You know, I, I've talked about this before, where Gene Roddenberry made it very clear that his idea with everything that he made, you know, from Star Trek onwards, was that the person on the other side of the TV screen was not stupid. They were not an idiot. And I think that's what has allowed that intelligence, that willing to, you know, willingness that, uh, uh, you know, that drive to make really intelligent content is why it all of so much of Gene Roddenberry's work still stands the test of time. Why Star Trek is still so fucking good, you know, and, and even some other things like some of his lesser known works uh, that I personally love, like Genesis 2. Uh, and some of these other ones, you know, they really, especially when Gene was there, uh, they, they've kind of carried on. Now, I mean, we can get into the Gene versus Herb Salo, like who made things great, uh, you know, debate another time. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, so there you have it. I, enough of that. We're 10 minutes in and, and I haven't even gotten to the first question. So let's get to the first question. And it's a great one. And actually kind of, you know, actually, it's a great segue, what we were just talking about, into uh, the very first question. My first question was going to be about sex robots. I'm going to save that for... Uh, for after this, I'll make that the second question now. Uh, but my first question uh, comes from comes from a, obviously a Patreon subscriber asking my question. Armed with your current knowledge and experience, what uh, what would you do to start a fresh podcast? Would you be concerned with all the competition flooding the podcast market? Reason I ask. I've spent many hours and enough money uh, getting myself a good mobile studio. I got uh, several. I got several sample casts posted, but I've never done anything beyond that. Why am I doing a podcast? Who's listening and what value do they get from it? Uh, do I just want attention and recognition? What about marketing? Dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. <laughs> I love a little, little Ghostbusters reference there. Uh, and then it said, peace, my bald brother. Right on. Uh, peace to you as well. <laughs> um, yeah, so... 
I think this is a great question. Uh, it was, it's probably been a year, maybe two since I did, I did a special, uh, in, it was in the main Sovereign Tech feed where I talked about, you know, how to make a podcast, what I do. Cause I, cause I got that question asked a lot. Uh, and I still get that question asked, um, a lot. And so I, but I'll, I'll redress it, uh, here because actually I've grown really. I, I know for a fact that I've grown since the last podcast special that I did. Um, and I've experimented a lot more since the last, you know, how to make a podcast special that I did. Uh, so this is, this is definitely something that needs to be revisited. This will not be a rehash, uh, by any means. Uh, so great question. Thank you so much. And of course, thank you for being a patron, um, of Sovereign Tech. And yeah, you know, you actually, you hit at, uh, the first, the first part that I think is the most important, which is why, you know, well, I mean, you've got the equipment. That's great. Obviously that's number one. You got to have the equipment, right? <laughs> and if you got a mobile studio, that's great. Uh, that's really cool. I mean, there, there's a lot of advantages to that. I won't go into the, into what's best for a mobile studio. I'll tell you, if you want to find out what great equipment to use, you want to go to Stephanie, uh, Stephanie's website, smvoice.info. And she has a blog post there about all the equipment that she uses. Uh, and she does reviews for equipment and everything. It's, it's, it's really slick. Uh, so, so do hit that up if you want. Um, but if you want to know more particulars, of course you can email me. I mean, I, am always open about what equipment I use, uh, when I'm doing the main episode of Sovereign Tech and I'm in the studio, uh, I use, uh, uh, in what's called an RE20. That's the microphone that I use. Uh, often when I am mobile, I use the blue Yeti, uh, which is what I'm on right now, which again is a fine microphone. You know, it's, I mean, it's fine for what it is and it's only like a hundred bucks. Okay. In fact, I need another one, but, <laughs> but I mean, you know, it's not because, I mean, the thing has gotten a ton of use. It's, it's, it's really solid. Uh, if I want to be super mobile, there is, uh, the company, uh, Zoom that, which is also, I think Zoom is actually, Z-O-O-M is the same company as Samson, which has a much longer history, uh, in the, in the, you know, kind of the recording, the audio realm, Samson uh, as in S-A-M-S-O-N, not Samsung, but Samson. Um, and they have the H1. They also have higher end ones like the H6, I think, and the H, or maybe it's like the H4. They have a bunch of different models. Any of those are great. Uh, I can also tell you that Brett uses, I think, the H6 at points and because you can hook up like XLR connections with, you know, with other microphones. I mean, it's, it's really, it is a genuine mobile studio. It's, it's damned impressive. Uh, that sort of thing doesn't work. You know, the idea of just having microphones and that I go and edit it all up later, that doesn't work with the way I do podcasts. Um, but I'm going to save how I do podcasts for a minute here. Anyway, that's some of the equipment. I always like to admit what I use. I use the H1, like I said, when I'm super mobile, but it goes all the way up to the RE20. Uh, and that's all, you know, a lot of that's really Stephanie's equipment anyway. Uh, you know, if we're going to put a fine point on it. But so the first question to ask is the one that you were really asking, which is why do it? Uh, you know, why even make uh, a podcast. And I think that's an important to ask yourself because that leads to what you want to do with the podcast, where you're going to go with the podcast, what audience you're trying to reach, uh, you know, and, and all of this. And those are all great, uh, great questions. Um, you know, and, and so, yeah, there's the first one. Why am I doing a podcast? Who's listening and what value would they get from it? Uh, do I just want attention and recognition? What about marketing? All right. So let's start off with why am I doing uh, a podcast? And that, that there's kind of a second question there. Do I just want attention and recognition? If you just want celebrity to, okay, if that's why you're doing a podcast is like, you would just like some degree of, of celebrity to, and maybe make some money off of doing it. Uh, 
Um, there's nothing wrong with either of those reasons. There's nothing wrong with wanting celebrity them, in my opinion. That's not why I do, uh, you know, do a podcast. Um, I mean, you know, I'd be remiss if I said like that the thought never crossed my mind, but that really is not why I started a podcast. And it doesn't even really have to be celebrity them. Maybe you just want to like make a name for yourself. And there's something to that too. You know, I mean, and that's, those are two different things in my opinion. Uh, like one of the things you know, when you have to experience, you know, recently, you know, I've had to experience, uh, you know, death of, of people, you know, uh, close in my life, we'll say. And, you know, when that, when that kind of happens, I mean, you do start to think about legacy. Now you don't, I'm not talking about legacy, like conventional normies talk about legacy where it's like, what are my children going to have? You know, like all this different stuff. I, I don't, I don't think about it that way. But, you know, is, is there something, to, you know, there's something to wanting to be remembered. You know, will people remember you? Uh, you know, will you have had an impact perhaps? I mean, these are, these are things people think about. Uh, it's really, you know, I would at the same time as a hedonist, I would say, you know, it's not really your, um, you know, it's not some like thing you have to do where you have to make the world better or you have to, you know, like that's the goal and all that. I mean, no, no, n- none of that shit. Okay. But there's something for wanting to be remembered. That's okay. That that's a legitimate desire, you know, to, to have. And I certainly have that. And I'll admit there's a comfort to me to that. If I died tomorrow, uh, you know, kind of like the Motley Crue song, right? <laughs> uh, if I died tomorrow, that I would have, you know, a, a, a certain corpus of work that will always be out there, that will always be available, uh, you know, to where people can remember what I thought, who I was, and what I did. Uh, you know, that, that's, that's, really, that's really cool, you know, to, to think about. There's nothing wrong with, honestly, if you wanted to do a podcast for no other reason, that's totally, you know, it's totally legit. I mean, I think any answer, really, that you, that you have is, is, is legit. I mean, there's some that, that I think might be dubious, um, like, <laughs> I don't, well, I, I don't know. I'm not going to give examples on that, but just saying that, you know, that's okay. If you want celebrity, there's a lot of people who are like, oh, you're just doing that to, you know, cause you want to be a celebrity and all that. So what? So that's what you want to do. Go for it. Um, my reason has always been because my opinions are not voiced. You know, I want representation and obviously I don't believe politicians, uh, like could ethically do that, nor are they capable of doing that. Uh, so I want my opinions to be heard. I don't hear anybody else saying them largely. I am happy and I give credit to when I do hear them, uh, you know, being voiced elsewhere. Uh, but because, it, because they're not, well, I voice them. Um, now, you know, it's to the point to where I have, you know, some, somewhat of a larger audience. Again, understand, you know, these are interesting metrics to, to know here, is that the average podcast in the world, last seven episodes, okay? Now, I'm up to, I think technically, if you count in all the specials I've done and all the Patreon content, I'm actually up to like episode 300 something. But I've done 190 main episodes of Sovereign Tech. You know, we're, we're coming up on episode 200 fast and boy, have I got some plans for that. Um, but the average podcast only goes seven episodes. Also, the average podcast has less than 100 uh, uniques or listeners. Uniques just mean like unique downloads or unique streams. Uh, so that that's just another word for listeners, really. 
So as to where, you know, I, I'm, I'm about to, I'm pretty much in the point of actually in the last month, I've had about a thousand more uniques. So I'm getting into the 11,000 listener range, some, somewhere around there. It's, it's, it's very, it's very high and it's tough to collate a lot of those numbers. Uh, and, and sometimes like, like SoundCloud does a rough job of, of collecting all the numbers. Stitcher's recently gotten better about it. Patreon has recently allowed for, uh, you know, to, to track some of those metrics and all that. So it's very tough to get those numbers. I could have far more listeners, um, than I'm aware of, you know, and also if you're on, if you're on, uh, uh, affiliates like LRN or UCY TV, you know, and things like this. Uh, then you have a whole other set of numbers that you need to look at. If you're on TuneIn, you know, if you get, you know, featured on TuneIn or something, there's a whole other set of numbers. It's very tough to get those numbers. So you really, while it, you know, while I think it's important to establish that you're at least above average, depending upon the reasons of why you're doing this, uh, you know, why you're doing a podcast in the first place, uh, understand that at a certain point, you know, you really, you can't exactly keep track. Uh, you know, here's an example, like with uh, with Leo Laporte with uh, This Week in Tech, the Twit Network, the uh, arguably the most uh, successful and popular podcast network um, on the planet. So with the Twit Network, recently they discovered, they, they went through a new company that helped them track their uniques and track all their listens and reach and engagement and all that. And they're paying, believe me, they're, they're paying thousands and thousands of dollars to get those numbers. Okay, uh, just like in the radio business to get... Uh, you know, to get what, what, what adds up to being the Nielsen ratings for, for radio. It's, it's, it's a different, uh, I think it's Arbitron, I think is the, is, is the radio version of that. Um, to get those numbers, you pay out like $30,000 a quarter. Like it, it's crazy, you know, to find out about this sort of thing. So anyway, it costs money to find out like your actual listener numbers generally, unless you do a lot of your own work and some of that, even then you run into roadblocks to find um, that stuff out. But point being is that with Twit, they thought uh, like their show Security Now, which is my favorite, and I think it's their second most popular show. For years, they've said, according to our metrics, we get 86,000 uniques in episode. Then they recently paid this new company to find out how many people, how many listeners they're getting and come to find out they're getting closer to 200,000 uniques, uh, you know, per episode of, of this, uh, of security now on the twit network. Okay. And so you can only imagine how much the main show this week in tech gets. I mean, that's, that's gotta be through the roof. Uh, so, <laughs> um, you know, and those numbers could have grown recently as well. So point being is that it's very tough to know exactly how many people are listening. You can usually only, you know, kind of get around or, you know, get a, get a, a you know, a, a guesstimate, an estimate of, of how many people are, are listening in. Um, but this leads to kind of a second point with the podcast, which is, you know, I mean, it's part of why are you doing it? And that's the thing. If you are looking to get into podcasting to make money, which would require you to have a lot of listeners, because understand this, while I have, you know, thousands and thousands of listeners, um, the amount of engagement I get from that is, is significantly less. Like, I don't know if it even equates to 1%. Like, the amount of Patreon subscribers I have, uh, you know, is only, is, isn't even 100. So, <laughs> so, you see, like, you know, I have, I don't even have 10% of you know, of listeners that are engaged in, you know, other areas like, and including with social media. So I have around 7,000 Twitter followers and I mean, maybe all told across 
the various forms of social media, I might have nine to 10,000 followers. Okay. Uh, but then I have more listeners than that. So where are those other listeners? Well, I mean, the unique thing with Sovereign Tech is that I'm reaching out to an audience that is big, perhaps on not being on social media that are big on not being, you know, not having attachments and having multiple accounts to which to connect to me with. So, you know, in some ways I've kind of shot myself in the foot, uh, you know, as far as that goes, but bottom line being is that I've only very recently started making any, any amount of money. And believe me, it's not much now, uh, with, with sovereign tech. It took a while. I had to build the audience first. Okay. You're not going to make money out of the gate. Uh, in fact, I've had, I've talked with some other podcasting friends and ones that, that have, you know, that have achieved similar quote unquote success as sovereign tech. You know, it, we all kind of have a similar story where it took four to five years before they were making any money off of it. So understand that, that you're likely not going to make money off of this gig until much later on, uh, you know, until further down the road with the show that you're doing. Um, you know, it can take four years. I mean, it took me, it took me probably over two years to finally break the thousand listener mark, you know, and then, then it's, you know, then it starts going up expo exponentially. I mean, there is kind of that hockey stick moment, I suppose, which I like to think I'm still on, you know, where suddenly whoosh, everything just starts going up, 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 right. It's like a Facebook post. You know, I mean, it, actually all of this, you know, as far as get making a podcast, a big deal, all of it is very similar to like a Facebook post to, to like that algorithm, um, and I don't know why it is this way, but that's just how it seems is that now, unless you get out on some already very popular format, like I was able to, before I get into the hockey stick, <laughs> I was able to, um, to beat the average amount of listeners, which again is less than a hundred listeners per episode of a, of a podcast. I was able to beat that average from episode one of Sovereign Tech because I was already a name on Free Talk Live. I was already a host on Free Talk Live. And because I was on LRN. You know, I was on an affiliate. Okay. But, you know, if, if you don't have that, I mean, you're in for an uphill battle. My example with the Facebook post is that the, for a lot of people to beat the algorithm, and in this case, we're going to talk about the algorithm of life, but for allegory, I'm mentioning a Facebook post. To beat the algorithm, you have to get like, 20, 30 people liking your posts. And then suddenly the algorithm will let all your other friends, even though they're your friends, you know, cause again, the newsfeed doesn't show everything. Then suddenly people will notice, and then you'll get into 50 likes, 60, 70, whatever, you know, it, it just keeps going uphill. The more likes it gets, you know, the bigger, the bigger it, it beats the system as it were and becomes, uh, but that's the real challenge is that how do you get those initial 30 likes, you know, it, just as an example, so that you can bring in everybody else. Um, you know, I, I don't really have, have like a super great answer, uh, for that. Like, I, <laughs> and that, and that kind of sucks. I mean, the, ironically, the best thing you can do, I think if you were to start off is you either have to, and I hate doing shows with guests, so this is going to be ironic, but you either have to appear on somebody else's show and sound interesting to people. And then they'll go and look at your show, uh, which has happened to me many times, or, uh, you know, you can have people from other shows on your show and then hopefully they share your show, uh, which I also had the fortunate of that happening a while back is, you know, like in my 10th episode, I had Mike Elgin on, which I didn't mind having him on as a guest at all. That was a real honor because uh, he's a journalistic hero of mine. Uh, or well, 
We're, we're going to talk about heroes later. <laughs> but anyway. Um, so, yeah, so that's tough, you know, to, to break into that. There are ways that you might want to, quote unquote, cheat that that system. Like, there are ways, I think, you know, I don't know exactly what to tell you, like how to get somebody, you know, how to get more people to really like, you know, come in and then share it and, and all that. And understand that too. People just generally do not share podcasts. It just doesn't happen. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter how big your show is. Usually people just, just don't share it. Um, but what I would do is you want to, I think what you need, I think what a lot of people look for when they see a new podcast show up, okay, is that they, they are looking for, they want it to seem like it's a big deal when maybe it's not. Now, I don't want you to fake it till you make it, but I think there's little tricks you could do that, that might give you an edge. I'll give you one example, okay? And I've theorized this in the past and I'm actually going, I'm going to start using it and I'll let you people know about it. Uh, so I'm going to let you in on a secret project that I have going on because I am starting a new podcast, uh, Sovereign Tech is going full bore. You know, there's no, there's nothing stopping Sovereign Tech. But I am starting a shorter podcast. It's a podcast that's going to come out weekly. It goes, it, it's 30 minutes a piece, okay? Or, you know, it's 30 minutes an episode. And the show is called CobraCast. Now, I'm serious. I, I, am, I am making this this podcast, okay? And I'm letting, I'll let you Patreon subscribers know. I, I am separating it. Other than this, other than mentioning it to you, it is something so separate from Sovereign Tech. Like, I don't even know if I'm ever going to mention it on Sovereign Tech. If I do, it'll be an afterthought. Okay, but I'm making a show called CobraCast. And here is, here is, a, here is my, my launch idea. And maybe this, will, maybe this will very succinctly answer, you know, your question about how, does, you know, how would I start a podcast. Because I got into, the, you know, the reasons. Whatever reasons you have are totally valid. Um, I, again, I think the best reason is because your ideas aren't being represented. Another great reason might be that, you know, if you want to do a guest type show, uh, you know, to where you have guests on all the time, you, you know, maybe it's because there's great voices out there that aren't getting highlighted and that you want to interview and that you want to get them out there yourself. That's fine too. Understand, I think it's a little, before I get into the rest of the Cobra cast, I know I'm all over the place. That's the nature of these Q and A's. Okay. <laughs> uh, if you're having a guest on, okay. You don't have to pay the guest. Some people in the past have offered to pay me to be on the show, even as something as like, you know, like 50 bucks or something. Um, I, I think it's when, when you're using a guest to like build up, you know, your, your show, especially when your show is new, I don't think it's shitty because a lot of shows, you know, function that way. I just... I don't know, something, something kind of feels off about it because you're really taking that person's time. You are bringing in, they are bringing their audience in many ways to you for free. And so I don't, you know, I have guests ask me to be on. There are people that I do ask to be on. Um, and, and I, you know, well, how to get into that? <laughs> that's a very complex issue. Just, just be, be conscientious. I guess that's the only point I want to bring up is be conscientious of the fact that especially if it's somebody that has like an audience that you are in many ways kind of, you know, you're taking up their time um, and you might want to offer to compensate them for that. 
Uh, it's okay if you don't. I'm, I'm just saying, I, I think that's something that has to, you know, with podcasting becoming, you know, podcasting, in my opinion, is still in its early days. I know there's podcasts that have been around for over a decade, but it is really still in the very early days and figuring out how to monetize podcasts, how to, you know, get podcasts be, being taken more seriously and all this, uh, you know, all of those things are, are still getting, you know, worked out, you know, as we speak. Um, so, but I mean, like, you know, with guests, you, I think you can ask Jeffrey Tucker to be on and he'll be on anything and he just doesn't care. <laughs> you know, he just shows up and talks and he's a great talker. Uh, you know, there, there's some other guys like that where they'll just show up. I mean, I get asked to, to, to be on shows. I don't expect payment, you know, I not, and largely, especially if I know the people, like I'm happy to be on the show, uh, you know, and I'm happy to help them grow because as I've always said, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people that knock the idea of, oh, that's all we need is another podcast, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I understand that. I understand why people feel that way. But like when you consider that most podcasts are status bullshit, like does it really, is it, I think it's perfectly fine to have another Liberty podcast out there. I mean, I, I really think that that's, that's just A-OK. You know, so have as many of them as, 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 as you want. <laughs> So anyway, okay, let's get back to CobraCast. So this is, this is, I am telling you my, my entire launch plan for this podcast. So this is literally how I would do it uh, if I was starting a new podcast. So I am starting off with, with CobraCast. First off, to explain what it is. And you might laugh, but I'll explain a little better. Well, you know, what it's all about. CobraCast is literally a podcast about the G.I. Joe universe. Okay, now... The first thing that people ask me about when I mention this, because I've mentioned it to a few friends and I've been working on it for months. Okay. Um, I'm, you know, they say, wait, what, you know, weren't you in the military? Don't you hate the military? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. But that's why it's called Cobra cast because it's about Cobra. It's not about GI Joe. It's, it's, it's taking, it's taking this unit, you know, this franchise, this universe and I'm not going to concentrate on the toys, really. But it's taking this franchise and this universe and looking at it from the villain's perspective. Okay, which there are very few podcasts of any of that type out there. Okay, it is not a Liberty podcast at all. Not, not one stitch is a Liberty podcast. If somehow people look me up, you know, after, you know, after subscribing to CobraCast and they find Sovereign Tech and they become anarchists because of Sovereign Tech or something... Fucking great, okay? But that's not what this what this podcast is about. And I mean that. That's great. I, I, I'm, I'm honored, okay? So CobraCast, uh, you know, again, is this... Really, it's more than just G.I. Joe. It's about the entire Hasbro universe. Because right now, uh, the Hasbro universe, you know, the, the toy company, is bringing all of their universes together. Like IDW, the comic book company, right now is taking Action Man, Micronauts, Mask. That's Mask is the acronym. Uh, you know, the 80s car show, uh, and uh, Rom, which, man, badass, uh, you know, Rom, G.I. Joe, Transformers, they're, they're putting them all together into one universe, kind of like how you have, you know, the Marvel universe or the, the DC universe and all that. And so that's what this podcast is going to be about, is the entire Hasbroverse, as I'm, as I'm calling it. And there's going to be movies coming out and all that, and I'm going to have guests on. I'm going to, you know, do interviews and, and all of this you know, um, about the show. Um, so what am I doing as, as far as the, the law? And again, it's short. Now that, that might be the first thing that might be another thing to bring up is that I think a lot of people today are not looking for a two hour experience there. I get more feedback from people who honestly never even listen to sovereign tech. So, you know, it's debatable how much I want to listen to them, 
But I get more feedback about people saying that they don't have time to listen to a two-hour podcast. Then you, I mean, like, I, that might be the number one reason people don't listen to Sovereign Tech is because it's two hours. And maybe they just can't believe that one person can actually do a two-hour show completely on their own with no, you know, with no guests and, and you know, no, no help, really. Um, but for whatever reason, they don't listen to it. So I think that, you know, here's the first tip. Make the show on the, or second or third tip, <laughs> make the show on the shorter side. Okay, make it, make it a shorter episode. Or, you know, a, 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 like do 30 minutes, maybe 45. I wouldn't go over an hour. In fact, if you could do a 15-minute show, kind of like uh, Jake DeSilva's uh, The Voluntary Life, which I love that show. You know, if you can do 10, 15, 20 minutes, oh, man. You know, I, I think you're guaranteed a much larger audience just because of the shortness of the show. So anyway, CobraCast, because of that, because of that in mind, and because I can be so verbose, you know, I can talk so goddamn much, uh, <laughs> I'm doing 30 minutes. That, that's, that was like my hard limit. Okay. Um, so the other part of, of that is that like Sovereign Tech, I will do it in a pre-recorded format. Pre-recorded means is that I have a template. I use Audacity, okay? And, I, and if you're going to get into podcasting, I 100% recommend that you use Audacity as your, uh, you know, as your audio mixing software, okay? It is the best, and it is cross-platform. It's available on practically everything, unless... Unless, like, you're in the Apple universe, okay, and you have an iPad, and you're going to use the iPad or iPhone with GarageBand, and, you know, you're collecting, you're connecting, like, your microphone through a lightning port or something like that, that's very different than, of course, use GarageBand, okay? But GarageBand is the only software I'd recommend outside of Audacity if you're going to, if you're going to make a podcast. Now, what I can do with Audacity is that, like, I have the interstitials, okay? I have the intros, you know, the beds and, and the ads and all this stuff. All of that is on a preset template that doesn't have me recording anything. It just has all of my, all my interstitials, okay, which are like the, you know, the little seg- the story segments that, that introduced each, each segment of the show. And you don't have to do segments either. Uh, I think that differentiates a show. It gives the show structure and keeps you orderly, but it's not something you have to do. So... With these interstitials and all that, again, they're already preset at preset times, and you can move them as you need to. You know, if you need to stop in the middle of a thought and say, oh, shit, I'm out of time, and you move the segment over, you can do that. Uh, I at, When I started Sovereign Tech, I, did not, I didn't move them. I was like, nope, when I'm done talking about it, I am, you know, when, when I set the limits, like this segment's going to be 10 minutes or 15 minutes, that's the end of it. If I didn't get something out, well, fuck, I didn't get it out. Or maybe I could talk about it for 30 seconds at the beginning of the next segment, but that's it. Now, you don't have to do segments, okay? But I think having that preset time really does, you know, help you kind of hone in, uh, you, you know, on what you're saying in all of this. Um, so I would, I would do that. I would have a preset template and, and it makes it, it also helps you build your own craft because you may get asked, you know, if your podcast ends up doing very well, or if you're trying to, you know, just market it and schlep it around, you may get asked to be on other podcasts, which is kind of the initial way to, to do marketing. I know you asked about marketing as well. Um, and if you do so, um, you know, you want you want to be able to talk good because they might not edit. They might not believe in editing. They might not believe in you know, making you sound good, uh, which there's a lot of shows that, that feel that way. I don't like to edit my guests. I give them the option. I said, look, if you really want me to edit it, I will. Uh, but I prefer not to, because honestly, if somebody doesn't sound intelligent, 
I don't want to make them sound good. You know, if someone sounds like, you know, a dunce, I'd like that to be on display. Uh, as to where if you edit it, sometimes people can sound smarter than perhaps they are or perhaps that they did. Whatever. Um, so I, I'm not big one. I'm not a big one for editing either. Uh, I like the natural, you know, making it sound like we're, you know, I mean, podcasting is such a personal thing, right? Pod, podcasting is literally, you are literally in somebody's head, you know, in a, in a very real way. And so if I can make it sound like I'm just talking to you and we're just walking down the street or whatever, I mean, obviously I add in some fun things here and there, but uh, I like that style. That's how I enjoy uh, things, you know, and, and understand I copied a lot of my, you know, shows that I really liked. Like I, I took bits and pieces from that. Like I mentioned Security Now earlier. I've taken bits and pieces from how they do things and implemented it into my show. Okay. Uh, so, so, you know, that, that's how you can do a structure. But like I said, I think a shorter podcast is going to get you a lot more traction than a longer one. Maybe, you know, years down the line, after you've got thousands or maybe even millions of listeners, you could consider, um, you know, you, you could consider maybe expanding the show, but I, I would keep it short. Originally, you know, Sovereign Tech was only an hour, but I couldn't get everything out inside of an hour. So I had to do two hours. It, or, I mean, it went up to like an hour and a half, then an hour 45, and then I'm like, oh shit, I got to do two hours. Okay. Um, so anyway, all right. So enough about that. Now, how would I go about launching CobraCast? Because I have, I have a few tricks that I want to make it look kind of bigger than it is. So first off, the great thing is, is that there is nothing, there aren't really any other shows out there concentrating on what CobraCast is all about. There are other franchises I would have rather concentrated on than G.I. Joe, but it just happened to be the one that had something big going on for it and that there really aren't any other podcasts out there for. Like, I think doing a Star Wars podcast is just stupid. I don't think, I don't think Star Wars podcasts themselves are dumb. I think doing one uh, is, you know, maybe not the brightest move, okay? <laughs> because there's so many. And it's so hard to differentiate your voice, you know, when, when, there's, when there's so much in the field like that. Uh, and, and that's something to consider, too, is that, you know, if you're going, I mean, a lot of successful podcasts are usually niche podcasts, okay? So you want to find your niche. Everybody knows that. Every entrepreneurial, you know, whatever talks about that. <laughs> you know, find your niche and then you'll make money, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, right. Uh, so anyway, but, but do find your niche. But understand that if you are niche... You know, there, there is a like hard limit of how many people usually are within a niche. You know, how many people are interested in a, in a niche. Um, so that, yeah, so that's why I got into, you know, that's why I was like, okay, the GI Joe universe is not something being covered. So I want to look into that. Um, my reason for doing it is partly it is, you know, I do read all of the Hasbroverse content. It does interest me. Um, I don't like GI Joe. I like Cobra. I genuinely like Cobra. Uh, which understand Cobra is an anarchist organization. It's actually in the name. That's what the A stands for <laughs> is, is anarchy uh, in, in, in the name Cobra. Well, that, that's kind of an urban legend. But anyway, um, so, so the, you know, my reasons for doing it is I do want it to turn into a money-making podcast uh, down the line. I do want it to be because geek podcasts, like podcasts about geeky subjects, do end up like they get huge fan bases generally very quickly and they can make money. So now in the, in the light of how do I make money off of doing that, this gets into how do I set up, you know, the show. So three things here, here's, here's kind of the, the unholy Trinity of what I think a podcast needs. Um, and one of them is even debatable. Okay. But 
you want you want to put it on SoundCloud. I'll tell you that right now because you will not have other than there was a huge clusterfuck earlier this year with the SoundCloud SoundCloud RSS feeds. I mean, it was really bad. There is no other podcast service out there that gives you that that offers like the amount of value, the amount of integration, the amount of sharing ability and and just the amount just the quality of presentation that SoundCloud allows for. Now, it costs like 15 bucks a month, okay, to have a pro account, but it is it is so so worth it. And honestly, like if you're not willing to lay out $15 a month for your podcast, I mean, then question how serious of a podcast you're making here. You know, at that point then why don't, you know, you can go on Blog Talk Radio because I don't know how seriously you want to take it. Um, but I, I think that's a great way to go is to go with SoundCloud because SoundCloud for years with Sovereign Tech, SoundCloud was the, um, was the, the homepage for Sovereign Tech, you know, and that's all I had because you can put little links on the side of, I mean, if you go to SovereignTech.com right now, you can see there's a banner that can, you know, talk about, you know, that, that has artwork for your show. You can put in the show art. There's, um, you can actually, if, if, the listeners are SoundCloud have SoundCloud accounts as well. They can message you right through SoundCloud. They can comment on each sound so on each sound. So you already have you know kind of a discus platform. You know, <laughs> you already have a comments platform built into it. On the the right hand side, you can put in custom links for you know your your social media pages or maybe if you get sponsors. Which understand. Usually you can't get like a paying sponsor. Like I have paying sponsors that, you know, that pay me, you know, every, every month or three months or a year or six months, whatever, uh, to advertise on Sovereign Tech. Okay. But it took me years to get to that, to where I had the listener base to say to them, this is how many people I reach. Here is the consistency, which I have absolute consistency. Here's the consistency within which an episode comes out. So you're not going to lose anything. So when I say to a sponsor, you're, you know, I am going to, um, you know, you're going to get inside of three, you know, inside of six months, you're going to get such and so many, uh, you know, ads, you're going to get 24, 28, you know, however many it adds up to. Okay. I can guarantee that in my history shows and you can look at my history. Okay. So before you go after sponsors, you want to kind of have a track record, you know, and you want to have a listener base worthy of getting a sponsorship as well, which I would recommend you know, trying to get to at least four or 5,000 people before you start reaching, uh, reaching out to sponsors. Okay. Uh, so anyway, um, yeah, so the SoundCloud page can show off all that. It could really be your homepage. Um, now you can have a website besides, so that's number one is the SoundCloud page. Uh, and they let you up, you know, you can upload as long as you're not doing like a daily show, that's three hours a piece. And I mean daily as in seven days a week. A pro account will get you by just fine. There are limits on how much audio you can upload to SoundCloud. But anyway, I think SoundCloud is just so rock solid. It's the best podcast platform out there. Um, I think most of the serious podcasts use it. And really when other shows are a big deal on other systems, they're big fish in a small pond in my opinion. Okay, so... You know, take take those take some of those metrics with a grain of salt at times. I, I don't mean to take anything away from them. I'm just saying, take you know, take them for what they are. Okay. Wow, I'm spending 45 minutes on this. I apologize. I'm going to get to the other questions no matter what. All right. So, um, 
With, yeah, so you got SoundCloud. Next thing you want to do is the, the, the second part of this unholy trinity of how to start a podcast. And that is a website. Okay, now you may not, if you want to do a website, I recommend going with WordPress. WordPress is very easy to learn. Of course, please use Namecheap if you're going to do all of this. You could get away with not having that website. But, you know, some people will talk about this. You know, here's some advantages, disadvantages. Okay, you can have a website. That way, if anything ever happens to SoundCloud, you can let people know what's going on. You could have, a, you know, if you're using a WordPress website, there is what's called Blueberry or Power, Blueberry PowerPress, whatever. Uh, that, that, that allows you to actually host podcasts on your website itself, and you don't have to use SoundCloud at all. I think there are certain advantages and disadvantages to this. One is, is that if your show ends up getting really big, your website plan that you have, your hosting plan or whatever, maybe it's like a shared hosting. And that's really the only way to, to do it where I think it's worth the money, okay, where it's like, you know, 25 bucks every three months or something. Your website may not be able to handle the traffic of like, say, if you get like that one viral episode. Okay, so I think that's one issue to consider is that is that, you know, hosting it on your website itself might run into some problems. The other thing is, is that a lot of times when you're hosting a, a podcast on a website itself, it really doesn't look very professional. Uh, like in my, in my opinion, it doesn't look half as good as when you take from SoundCloud, you can get the embed code, including for a WordPress website, if you still wanted to have, like I have zog.ninja where I post everything too. Okay, including with that website, you can, you know, you can embed, um, you know, the, like the SoundCloud player and it looks great. And you can do it in different sizes and everything. You can show off the show art and all this stuff. I mean, like it, it's so, so worth it. So you could have an independent website. I'm going to give you a couple tips on that though. First off is that as much over the years as I would like, as I thought that, well, you don't, you know, uh, I think the indie web still matters. You don't want to rely on third party services and all of that. Uh, you know, you want to have your own website, blah, blah, blah. I still think to some degree that's largely true. But the, the reality that I have come to is that people are just always going to go to third-party services. They're always going to use Facebook. They're always going to use Twitter. And that's always where they're going to go first. So you want to make sure whatever you're doing is available in these areas first. Okay. And SoundCloud is top-notch for that. People will not come to you. They will not go. They really will not go to your website. No matter how many features you put on that website, they are not going to go to that. You are going, you know, especially if you're just starting out, you want to be in on various third-party services. That doesn't mean that you can't have a website as a backup. That's, that's a fine idea, okay? But you're going to want to take advantage of these third-party services. Now, SoundCloud, I think, is a little bit different. It's a little different than, than, it's not just relying, like, because if that's your main thing, that's where, you know, all of your, all of your podcast jewels are resting, okay? You are paying for that. And so I think it's, it's very different. As to where, like, if Facebook or if YouTube uh, or if Twitter or whatever, if they took down your podcasts, I don't think you have any room to complain. I mean, it sucks. Sure. It's the nature of the beast. It's the nature of these third party systems. Okay. But I don't think you really have any room to complain because you didn't pay a dime. Okay. So you want, you know, so I think, you know, having SoundCloud as your back end is just one of the best things you can do because it integrates with all those services really well. 
and you're paying for it. So I think that if they ever did start taking things down on you, if they ever did cause some kind of trouble, you know, or whatever, there is, you have, you have room to complain and to do something about it. Okay, uh, you know, you, you might have a more legal course of action to take on. Um, so the website, not such a big deal. I do recommend, even if you don't do a website, if you don't do a full-on website, that you get a, you, you get a, a domain name from like Namecheap. Like SovereignTech.com right now, I switch where it sends you to. Like sometimes I have it, for years I had to go to the website, uh, you know, to, to zog.ninja website. For years I've had it go to SoundCloud, you know, right to the SoundCloud page. I may change it to where it goes to the Patreon page. But that's the nice thing. If you have a domain name that is that is separate, that's not necessarily used for hosting, you know, it's not your it's not your hosting domain name, it's just a separate domain name, that can be really handy because then that can lead people to wherever you need to need them to go. And if something does go wrong, you could set up like a message somewhere or a landing page or a blog post or something that explained what happened to your podcast. And people could just enter in that URL and they would end up, you know, at that blog post or wherever you want to redirect people to. So that's a really key thing to have. So even if you don't want to do a a website, have the domain name. Okay, now, second part of that. With Gmail, okay, or with, with email in general. A lot of podcasts use Gmail as their email address. And I mean even some big ones like Collider, which is one of the biggest, you know, YouTube networks out there. They, to, to email Collider, you use like collidernews at gmail.com. A part of me thinks that's ridiculous, okay? Like if you are, you know, if you want to be taken seriously, you really want to have, you know, an at myshow.com, whatever it happens to be. Like, I, I mean, that's, that's, that's how I feel about it. You want to have something other than Gmail because anybody can make a Gmail account. And that's part of the thing with having SoundCloud, with having, you know, the URL, you know, with the custom URL, the custom domain name, with having an email address and all that, you want to make people, if you want people to listen, I think they need to see that it's serious, you know, that you take it seriously, that you put money into this sort of thing, you know, that it's not just somebody, you know, yakking away, uh, you know, on their, on their laptop microphone. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with doing that either. I'm just saying that if you're looking to, you know, if you're, these are ways to get an audience. Okay. Now the third part of the unholy trinity all right, which is, I, I kind of doubled up with the website, the website, email address, and you know, domain name and all that. That's that's one one part of that unholy trinity. The third part is Patreon. Now this is new, and in some ways, you might be able to do. You may be able to just use Patreon. Here here's a here's a secret. Patreon allows you to, as long as the file's no larger than hundred megabytes. Patreon allows you to integrate your, or allows you to, to just host, uh, as long as you get, I don't know if there's a limit on how many donors that you get, how many patrons you have before they allow for this, because it's kind of hard to believe that they'd allow for it right out of the gate, but maybe they do. I haven't really tested it. Okay. But as long as your file is no larger than hundred megabytes, um, which by the way, I, I sovereign tech records on a variable bit rate. Like it's like 96 K. Okay. So if you're wondering about sound, sound quality, that's, that's, that's what I do. It's like that 96 to 120 range or whatever. It's number six on, 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 uh, on audacity if you use that. Okay. So, and, and, a, a you know, a, a two hour show ends up being with that ends up being about 60, like 69 megs. Okay. 
So as long as you're under 100 megs, you can upload directly to Patreon an episode and have it hosted there and then share that post around. Okay, so it could, theoretically, it could do everything that, you know, a website does and that SoundCloud does. In fact, it even hosts and it could potentially be hosting for free. Even if you have to have like at least one patron, just like ask a girlfriend or a boyfriend or whatever, you know, to, to be that $1 patron or something per month. Okay. And, and, and have, you know, and have them that way you could make use of that. I mean, that's so cheap, but like, yeah, they do. They, I mean, they effectively do free hosting and you, you know, that has a social media component to it. I talked about it on, on other Q and a episodes, everything that Patreon allows for. Okay. Uh, but that, that's what I, that's what I would do on Patreon and then follow Patreon's Patreon has a bunch of different posts on how to get your Patreon project noticed and follow those accordingly, you know, make the great video that introduces it, do all, all this different stuff. Um, I mean, I kind of went into Patreon through the back door as it were, because sovereign tech was already a big deal before it became a presence on Patreon. Um, so take full advantage of Patreon have, you know, maybe not at, maybe at first you don't have to do it, but from maybe the first episode, start mentioning that you're going to have Patreon only content. Okay. And, and that way you could start making money very early on with the show. I mean, it could be extended interviews. There's all kinds of ideas that you could do as far as that goes, but make Patreon a part of your, of your podcast launch strategy right from the beginning. You may be able to do your entire podcast from Patreon itself. You might not need SoundCloud. You might not need a website. I still recommend getting that domain name, the custom domain name and the custom private email that goes, that works with that domain name of whatever your show happens to be. Okay. I still recommend that. Um, but, but maybe you could just do it all through Patreon. I am not doing CobraCast through all of Patreon. CobraCast will have a website eventually. Um, it's not going to be there at launch. CobraCast does have a custom URL or a custom domain name already. It does have a custom email already. Uh, you know, it's whatever at CobraCast, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, but I am going to be doing it on SoundCloud and I'm going to be doing it on, you know, have it on Patreon and have, you know, that, that's, that's how that's going to start off. So, but eventually there will be a full website too. Um, just that's taking a lot of time. Um, so that, you know, that's, and I, obviously I have a Twitter, you want to have a Twitter, you got to have a Twitter. Okay. You don't even, you don't have to have a Facebook. Sovereign Tech doesn't have a Facebook account. There's a Brian, I mean, I have an account. Okay. But you don't have to have, you know, a Facebook page for what you do. Um, I do not post on Google plus anymore. Uh, I, maybe you'll find it worthwhile to do that because it does, it supposedly gives you some degree of greater rankings in Google. Um, but I don't know how much Google is still being used for search. Uh, I think search, you know, like you're, you're going to get a better hit off of having that great domain name than you would off of, I don't know, whatever, whatever you're doing for, you know, whatever you're doing on Google plus. I don't think Google plus is, that's not, that's not an area I would concentrate on uh, at all. I would concentrate on Twitter and if you want to on Facebook, that's up to you. Okay. Um, so that, you know, that's, that's how I would start things off, uh, you know, with, with, with a podcast, uh, I keep it short, you know, the, the SoundCloud website and Patreon and, um, yeah, the email address, you know, the domain name, all of that. 
And I, you know, I, I think you're ending up with a really great podcast, you know, at that point, like the, that, that is how I would start one up. I, I would have a monetization strategy right from the get go. And Patreon is just the best one. Um, I don't think you're going to make money off of like, you can set up a Bitcoin wallet as well. Uh, obviously that's just, that just makes sense to do. Um, but I don't think you are going to attract anybody just because you accept Bitcoin. Um, you know, I mean, that, that it's a fine thing. It's a fine, you know, community, quote unquote, to reach out to. But, you know, as far as like people being on board with a Bitcoin podcast anymore, that ship has sailed. And as I understand it, a lot of Bitcoin podcasters are fading out and they are burnt out and, you know, they're done doing it and they are they are walking away. And there's so much news like I don't, I don't know how you could possibly contain like a Bitcoin show. I, I just I don't I don't get it. Um, so. Anyway, that's not to say that Bitcoin isn't still a thing. Of course, it's it's not going anywhere, and I'm glad. Uh, I'm I'm just saying that like I don't know that you're going to reach people be, just because you have a Bitcoin address, okay? But you know, have it available. You know, ma- mention it and all that, and I think that's great. But Patreon is really your your best way to you know to go uh, as far as with all that. So. Um, yeah, I, I hope I hope I, I, I covered all of, you know, got got into all of that uh, Q&A. Oh, no, you know what? I, I OK, so I didn't tell you some tricks. Here are some other tricks to do, uh, especially when you're starting out as a show. You like Q&A listener interaction is hugely important. OK, now I'm not going to tell you to lie. All right. But I am going to tell you what some people do to to make their shows seem larger. All right. One of them that I'm doing with CobraCast is, and this one I think is harmless, but it's interesting. Like I said, you want to make it seem like your podcast is really taken seriously. And one trick I'm going to do is I'm going to make my, the first episode of CobraCast is, is going to be uh, number 156. It's going to be episode 156 and then the title of the episode. I am starting it off numbered at 156. Okay. Now, why am I doing that? Because... I am creating the kind of the illusion that the podcast and it's I'm I'm really just being funny, but you know I'm I'm curious to see how this works and you're welcome to try it as well. But I am creating the illusion that the podcast has been around forever. And I am not going to talk about the first episode like it's a first episode. Okay, I'm not gonna lie to anybody, but this is a trick that I'm trying to pull off. And there's a significance in G.I. Joe to number one fifty six, but that that's that's for the fans. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, so that's something you might want to try. Maybe do a funny numbering system, you know, to make it seem like you've been around for a while and all that. I've heard people say, you know, I've heard like Apple, when Apple features a podcast on iTunes, they specifically say that, uh, you know, that numbering actually hurts uh, your listenership because it makes people think that they have, a, that they need that you're too, they'd have to get too invested. They'd have to invest too much time in, in getting caught up with your podcast. Um, I don't believe that. And also that's another thing I've learned is that uh, iTunes, for whatever reason, still seems to be a big deal. It still seems to be the way to get, you know, recognized and all that. Uh, so if you want, you can ask people to, um, you know, to, to comment on, uh, you know, on, on your iTunes, leave reviews on iTunes. Apparently that's still a thing. I've never relied on that. I've never really even asked for it. So it's not something that, and, and I don't, with CobraCast, like that'll be a different story. That is something that where, you know, I, I will make the mention, 
you know, check, you know, leave a review on iTunes and all this stuff. So that's still something, you know, really to, uh, to, to consider uh, there. Uh, so the other trick is, and I'm not, and let's just put it this way. I know of podcasts, a lot of them that do this. When they're first starting out and they have a question and answer section, okay, like I said, there's a lot of podcasts that do this. They make up the questions, okay? That is up to you on how you feel about doing that, all right? And I'm just going to leave it at that, all right? I'm not going to judge you. I'm just saying that that's, that's what some podcasts uh, uh, do. Another thing podcasts do, here's another one, is that they buy followers for their social media accounts, okay? Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to judge you. I'm just saying that I know, I know for a fact, actually, a couple of shows that have absolutely done that, and it pisses me off. Uh, but, well, it doesn't, it doesn't piss me off. My apologies. Because if you do it, you do it. I feel like, I, I, I really, I feel like there's, there's some degree of disingenuous in that, you know, in, in, in doing so. Um, but that's something for you to consider to, you know, again, this is all about making your show look a lot more serious. Okay. Um, other than that, I think that about covers it. If you have more specific questions, please don't hesitate to ask them. But I think that's a very interesting intro. I probably talked way too long about it. Uh, I do have, I have other questions I'm going to get into here. Um, and I appreciate that question. And I gave you the dirty tricks at the end. <laughs> you could be the dirtiest player in the game, baby. Woo! Right? <laughs> um, but why don't I, let, let, let's get into the other questions. Uh, because I think that these are, these are actually really, uh, really interesting questions. So let's get into the sex robots. How about that? Uh, I'll read the question here. Um, let's see. This, this was actually part of like a multi-question thing that I've been picking off of here and there. Uh, thoughts, question mark. I think sex bots for men could be as big as the contraceptive pill was for women. It could revolutionize the game significantly. Okay. And that's, that, that is the entirety of the question. So we'll do that. And then I'm going to get into a, a philosophical question. Um, sex robots are, in my opinion, they are a reality and they're going to be a reality. They are a reality in Japan already. Pardon me while I take a sip of my cup. Hmm. And don't do that either. <laughs> Unless you're doing it for stylistic points, don't go having a drink in the middle of, a, of an episode. They'll hear it. <laughs> um, anyway, yes, sex robots are, I, like I said, they're a reality and they're going to be even more of a reality around the world. Uh, and they are, you know, just by the, the nature of, uh, not, not the nature, but by the nurture of the planet, there are largely going to be female sex robots. I think that's going to be a thing. Do I think that this will revolutionize things for men? Uh, you know, that is a specific question. I'll go into broader gender, uh, you know, matters here in a second. Yes, it is going to do that. Um, if people want to build sex robots, by all means, rock and roll, you go for it. Okay. Uh, if other genders want to make sex robots, by all means, go for it. Uh, there is going to be big business. There are going to be lucrative deals made, most likely, for sex robots that look like uh, that you know that look like various um, stars, you know, various um, you know various actors, various celebrities, and all that. That's going to be a thing. Um, I think you know an area, and this is just a side note, an area where I think sex robots are actually going to be far more prevalent, I think is going to be virtual reality because the production, 
The amount of money you have to spend on building an actual robot. Like, yeah, it can get cheaper over time as it becomes more popular and it will be popular. Um, I think it's just far more practical to sell people suits that simulate, you know, a, a lot of sexual things. And, but, you know, it's all lawnmower man style stuff, like where you have, you know, a VR suit effectively that, that simulates, you know, the action, of, you know, uh, that there's a sexual partner there or whatever. I think that's, that is the place where I would more spend my money. Not on sex robots, but on, on VR. I mean, because in VR, you know, I mean, understand that people will probably buy one of the biggest places that, that's going to sell sex robots. I don't even think it's going to be just for single men. Because I think that's when initially people think, oh, those fucking losers are going to be. And I'm not calling you losers. I'm just saying that's, the, that's the, the, the conventional thought, I think, on the matter. But I think married couples are going to buy sex robots in gangbusters, pun intended. I absolutely think that's going to be a fact. Uh, that, that, you know, people are going to be able to have three ways without emotional concerns. Now, depending on how advanced these robots are, there's an ethical question to be had there as far as like, do they have emotional concerns? Okay. I know that that's not, I'm not going down that road right now. Okay. That's a subject for another time. You can ask me about it if you want me to talk about it. Okay. But I think that's going to be the big part of the industry, but VR could pull that off too, to where you and your wife could both wear a VR headset. And you could, you know, your entire bedroom could become, you know, an orgy scene out of Conan the Barbarian. I am excited for that technology. I will tell you that straight up. Uh, but I'm excited in the way that I get to experience. Here, here's, here's my caveat on, on the sex robot matter, okay? Is that I am excited for that. I am excited for the ability to share the experience with another real person. The idea of me owning a sex robot and me being a single guy does not excite me. It's okay if it excites you. I'm not, I'm not judging you here, okay? I'm just saying for me, it, does not, it doesn't meet my needs. Now, could I picture having you know, fun with a sex robot with uh, you know, maybe a, you know, a friend of some sort or with a you know, lover and all of that? Absolutely. I mean, just, just absolutely. Um, I mean, and there's, there's great potential for sex robots being an educational tool. Uh, this is something that, you know, a lot of sex ed educators talk about, you know, ones that are actually worth their salt, not the ones that, you know, also teach a science class in high school. But, you know, they talk about, you know, sex ed in or, you know, health class, whatever in in school is usually just like reproductive training. That's all it is. It's all about, OK, this is how you end up having a baby. It is nothing, nothing to do with sex as being a social uh, construct, which which is what it co-evolved as along with procreation um, and has nothing to do like with your own pleasure and with, you know, pleasure in general. It's just all like these, these really sterile safety tips and, you know, what to do as far as like when, when something goes wrong or, you know, how this happens, blah, blah, blah. You know, it, it's really not sex education. I could see sex robots being, you know, just totally changing that game. Um, and, and I think that's a fine thing. You know, I don't, I don't really see any problem with that. Uh, sex robots could put prostitution like that. That could make, that could make prostitution maybe, you know, go out the window. Uh, uh unless in, you know, and, and this gets into, not that I'm looking for prostitutes. I'm just saying this gets into why sex robots really don't do it for me. And that is, is that there is this and people could say, well, you could program this into a sex robot. Yeah, maybe, maybe. 
Okay, but I think there will there, there's this randomness. There's this potential that someone is going to come up with something. Okay, where like say, you know, with a real human partner, sexual partner. There is what could happen is is that like like you know, I talk about I think I talked about it last week a little bit that you know, what makes the human brain so amazing is that it can make logical leaps. Not that it leaps outside of logic, though plenty of people do that. But in that it can go, it, it can, instead of going A, B, C, D, E, which is likely what the sex robot would do, it could think of, it can go from A straight to N. And it can just skip ahead and come up with this ingenious thing that you would have never thought was hot. And if anybody told you about it, perhaps even, you wouldn't have thought it was hot. But when you see it happen, when you're there, when you're in the moment, holy shit, that's amazing. You know, like just this totally new idea could come out because of the way that the human brain works. Okay, so there's that randomosity, the unexpected, perhaps even a degree of mystery that comes in when you have a fully human, you know, partner that has their their own volition uh, and all this. That excites me. The creativity that can come out of another human being. That excites me. Now, you can say that, you know, you could program sex robots to do the same thing, you know, to be creative and perhaps like at times to not listen to what you have to say. But I still think at the end of the day, there, there won't even be two points. One is, is that there won't be that full appreciation for the creativity because you are automatically thinking in your head, uh, you know, un- unless you're, I don't know, <laughs> unless you're one of the normies, you're automatically thinking in your head, this was programmed to do that. And I think that kind of kills some of the, some of the, the, the sexiness of the matter. Um, and then also, there is, you know, again, I, I don't think that any AI, and I think this is true going forward, I, I'm, I'm 99% convinced that AIs are not capable of doing those logical leaps like humans can, logical leaps in creativity and in creation. And so I still think you know, that, that, that sex with a human will always, with another human being will always be top notch. Like that'll always be the best. Just my thought on it. I am not judging anybody for doing it differently. You know, I mean, if people want to masturbate, masturbate. If you have a sex robot that, that it helps you out with that master, I mean, then fuck, go for it. You know, I think that that's totally fine. I mean, you really can't like Ethical questions aside of like, when does an artificial intelligence, you know, become something that is deserving of liberties, that whole argument aside, okay, if you do not have a problem with masturbation, I think you are a hypocrite if you have a problem with sex robots. That doesn't make any sense that you think masturbation's okay and you think sex robots are bad. Um, but anyway, regardless, so I think human sex is always going to be the epitome. Uh, and in fact, there may be a lot of other aspects to that. Um, there is, you know, understand this. And I, I don't mean this to sound in any way, woo woo. I'm trying to keep this as scientific as possible. The, you know, the human heart, I don't mean like, you know, the soul or anything like that. I just mean like literally the pumping, beating heart inside of your chest generates an electromagnetic field. Low level, but it does, okay? Uh, There are people who wonder if that electromagnetic field affects your brain. Um, You know, there there are a bunch of, you know, there's there's still a whole lot of research being done on all of this. But I wonder if in sex, there is because of the extreme closeness involved in sexual intercourse, not just between man and woman, between woman and woman, man and man, 
however, whatever, however you make it up. Okay. There, because of the extreme closeness that there may be certain biological processes, nothing spiritual, just biological processes that, um, that, that, that occur, that, that join perhaps, you know, uh, not to use the biblical term, but what the fuck, you know, you become one flesh and maybe in some way, some of these, you know, like, like something as simple as the electromagnetic fields that your hearts produce somehow kind of collide. And there's a little something extra going on there, or there's some other senses that, that are, you know, kind of working with each other that a robot just at least that I can't picture now because there's so little understood in, in a human won't just won't provide, cannot provide. So yeah, I think it's going to change the game. I think they're going to be huge. I think they're going to be a big deal. I really don't have any problem with them, but I don't think they're for me. Not, not solely. They're, they're, you know, to, to perhaps engage with sex robots or sex programs in VR with another human being, with another flesh and blood human being. Absolutely. I am so fucking on board for that with multiple other flesh and blood human beings. Let's rock it. Let's do this. Okay, <laughs> you know, I am, I'm on board with that. But as far as it like being enough, um, you know, it's, it's not, it, w- it, is, it would not be the sexual uh, goal that I, would, that I would continually strive for. That's just me. I'm not knocking, I don't mean to knock anybody by saying that at all. Uh, but that's just my, my thought on it because I think there's, there's so much more. Than, and I mean, what people appreciate are, de- you know, some people appreciate certain ways. I mean, you know, maybe in the BDSM scene, this could be huge, yeah, you know, with, with sex robots, because here's something that, you know, you don't even need safe words really. Right. I mean, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not in the BDSM scene by any means. So, but I mean, maybe that's something where it is very appealing. I, you know, I don't know, but it's just, it's not for me. So, you know, it's just that that's, that's my point. Uh, and I hope I explained why, um, but if it's for you, it's for you in rock and roll. So I do, I do think they are going to change the game. I totally agree with the emailer on that. Um, anyway, okay. Enough about sex robots, and I don't want this to go too much longer. Let's get to this next question. This is, this is a great, great question. This is a historical uh, slash philosophical uh, question. Uh, hey, Brian, I've got a possibly very tough philosophical, historical, social, psychological question for you. In all of your research... Have you ever come across an answer as to when, how, and or why the human psyche developed the need for heroes? I'm very curious at what point in human development uh, that what, you know, what happened that made humans want to depend on, you know, uh, look up and give, uh, give over their sovereignty to others in that particular way. Uh, not just a temporary need to rely on someone else out of practicality, but to yearn for the other to come and save them or lead them. Would love to hear your thoughts and theories. Okay, wonderful, wonderful question. And, you know, I don't think anyone, I don't think really anybody has like the 100% answer that they can, that they can really guarantee. Like, no, this is the fucking answer. But I, I do have a theory. Um, and it's a theory really that, that comes down to, for me, um, really the start of all of any kind of tyranny. Um, I think it's the start of all irrationality. Uh, and you know, start of religions, but I repeat myself, <laughs> uh, you know, I know I have religious listeners and obviously I appreciate you and, you know, you, you've dealt with me for years. So I assume when I say these things, 
you deal with them then too. Uh, I, I've mentioned this somewhat before, but I'm going to apply it, you know, to, to this question as well. Um, there is a book, there's actually a few books that cover this topic, uh, but maybe one of the most famous is The Sacred Mushroom and the Cross. And the book is from 1970, uh, written by John uh, Allegro. And it is all about tracing really like the history of Christianity and how it goes back to, you know, fertility cults in the ancient Near East, uh, you know, and, and, and really how the idea is, is that there was, you know, that various mushrooms, psilocybin, whatever else that's that, and this is kind of fitting based on what we were talking about in episode 190 of Sovereign Tech, but that mushrooms themselves are what really created like religion in general. And that is really the best answer that I can find for that whole thing. And my, you know, the reason I say that, and there's, there's been great talks uh, oh shit. I can't think of his name. Richard. He does. Oh, he, his blog is free, uh, free the animal, I think. Um, but he's talked about how, you know, paleolithic man or, you know, our, our ancient ancestors absolute to survive, to make it as far as they did, you know, to evolve as far as they did. They really had to have such a firm grasp on reality that any kind of superstition, any kind of supernaturalism would have, would have wiped them out. You know, it would have killed them. Like you had to be in touch with reality. There is, there's just no room for any of that stuff. Um, and so the idea that, you know, like, like how do we get from, from that kind of thinking to where we have to be in touch with reality or we die to how do we get to religions and how do we get to, to, you know, to government states and all this. I think at some point, somebody ate some fucking mushrooms and then started describing things that, you know, started describing uh, concepts and whatever else, you know, like they started seeing, you know, colors in the sky or like everything was topsy-turvy, the whole world was spinning and all this. They started describing like a lot of, a lot of creative what could be considered creative, uh, you know, ideas that nobody had ever heard before. And they started describing these things. Um, and they, I think that the people around them, the tribe around them, uh, you know, just saw them to be like, whoa, they're in touch with some, with something else. Like, wow, how did they come up with that? And all, because we know that for paleolithic humans, art was a big deal. As much as you need to be in touch with reality, and their art really reflected their basic, you know, ability to reflect reality on cave walls. Okay, they weren't drawing flights of fancy. You know, like the the oldest art we have is of people fucking. Um, you know, is of fertility, and is, you know, is all all this different stuff. Stuff very much based in reality. Your old art never ever shows like angels. I mean, sometimes you see some weird things, but you know, then you just have to ask, okay, what exactly did they see? You know, and we're, we're talking about like ant people and, you know, in North uh, Native American caves and, uh, you know, all the, all these other different things. That's, that's another story. Okay. But the point being is that their art largely reflected their world, you know, as to where, when you consider, you know, like the, um, when you consider the medieval times or you consider Rome or you consider, uh, you know, the Renaissance and all that, a lot of that, even though the Renaissance would go on to, to get back in touch with reality, 
um, a lot of the artwork at the time reflected things that weren't real. You know, it reflected angels and all these, all this, all this different stuff. And so that's my point is that, you know, I think what happened is, is that these people, you know, ancient humans were so awestruck with whatever these people that, that took some kind of psychedelics, you know, took some kind of mushrooms, whatever, uh, that they thought they're just like, wow, you know, what, what, what was this? What did you experience here? You know, tell me more. This is amazing. And then the person would start drawing the shit on the wall and they'd be like, we never thought about that. This is incredible. And so, and I think what would happen is, is that these people, you know, these original, these, these ancient humans on shrooms effectively started warning them about ideas like, like primitive ideas of demons that weren't really there. But they started saying, oh, no, I saw it right here. And the way that the person described it was just so like was like they really experienced it because through, you know, the trip that they're on, they did experience it, you know, even though it's not reality. That people have said, oh, wow, I don't know what you're seeing, but this is but, you know, we, we need to, you know, protect us, protect us. And this is how it started is the heroism, the idea of, uh, you know, the great man theory, all these different things, I think really started with the first priesthoods and the first priesthoods started out of somebody taking some kind of psychedelic, be it shrooms or whatever. Um, and I mean, and to, and, and to take it the next step, like, you know, why wouldn't they just kill the person that, you know, this one person of the tribe that was saying all this crazy shit, because maybe then that person would share the shroom with another guy, but that person might die from it. You know, maybe it was the wrong shroom or something like that. You know, how, however all that worked out. You know, I mean, we, we, we could guess, you know, ad infinitum about, about how exactly that, that happened. But, you know, only some people could handle the trip, others couldn't. You know, or maybe they'd fall off a cliff for what they were doing, you know, for, for the trip that they're on or, you know, whatever, whatever they're experiencing. So there were, you know, suddenly you have this very special person. Um, so I, I think that's really where heroism started. That's really where, where governments and all this, all this kind of started. Um, and I, I'm going to go further in a second, okay, and, and, and explain more on that. But I want, I want to make this really clear. You know, humans are in many ways, I mean, they're individuals, but in many ways they are tribal creatures when they are trying to survive. And there is nothing wrong with that, in my opinion. Okay, tribalism, we got to be really clear with terms. Tribalism is totally, you know, natural for whatever, you know, and you got to be careful when you use the word natural. But I think tribalism is totally natural. However, shamanism is not. And I think they're two different things. I think a lot of times, even when, you know, some authors that in many ways I respect, like Ayn Rand or whatever, you know, they talk about tribalism, uh, you know, or even like, I don't know, Hoppe or whoever, you know, all these different people talk about tribalism. I think they confuse the idea of humans working in concert to survive as a tribe and humans being, you know, scared and awed and, and worshiping some shaman in their group that maybe, you know, went on a shroom trip. And if I'm using the wrong terms as far as drugs, look, folks, I don't do them. So, okay, I don't know. I'm not in that culture. <laughs> and, and it's fine if you are, I'm just saying. So what you end up with, you, you know, so understand that, that like, yeah, humans were naturally tribal, but then when, you know, this priestly class comes in due to what I think they were experiencing things outside of reality, not that there's anything actually outside of reality, but what they described, they thought they saw outside of reality. Then you end up with shamanism and that's a problem. And shamanism is where, now th this leads us to the next part of our story. Okay. Because I think what happened is, is that shamans were describing this thing that was not under human control. It really wasn't under their control other than 
it was under their control when they could experience it based on what they were ingesting. Um, when they started take, you know, ingesting these shrooms or whatever, I mean, they, they, I think that's when they started coming up with this ethereal concept of animism and then eventually of God or gods. Now, humans have no real control over that. And what I think happened later on is that you end up with, like, say, in the Bible, okay, you end up with the character of Nimrod, who was the creator of Babylon, okay, or of Babel, uh, which became Babylon. And Nimrod, they talk about how he was this great hunter. And eventually he became a great king and a great leader and all that. It actually kind of talks about him glowingly. But what happens is, is that when you get into uh, works that are just, you know, slightly external of the Bible, like the works of Josephus, Flavius Josephus, who was a Jew, a Roman Jew in the first century CE, he talks about the story of Nimrod and says that Nimrod made himself out, made himself out to be God and replaced God, and he knew he needed to do that to continue his tyranny, to build Babylon, to continue Babylon. And so what happened is, is that, you know, the trick kind of came full circle, is that, well, now people believe in gods because of this priestly class that had been around. Now I, Nimrod, or whatever leader, am going to claim to be the representative or that god itself. And, you know, but you know, did, why did people accept that? Why did people, you know, why, <laughs> you know, they accepted it. You know, literally governments came in and replaced God. And a lot of people talk about this, how atheists, their religion is a state. Yeah, that kind of happens. And that's always happened for thousands of years. That's happened. You know, <laughs> what we really got to do is get rid of all the spooks, <laughs> you know, the, the God, the religion and the state, Right. But anyway, you know, you know that, that happened because people were primed to believe that there was this God. And then suddenly it got a lot more exciting when their king, you know, or their pharaoh or whatever became that God. Then, aha, oh, now we have reality and the unreal. We've got it all going on. And then, of course, that's why, you know, throughout Egyptian history, you had constant battles between the pharaoh and the priests. Because the priests were the ones, you know, who could... Who, who carried on this, this ancient lineage of telling people all the woo-woo shit that's not really there, but when, they tri you know, when they're tripping on something, they, they can describe it, and nobody ever thought of it before, so they must believe that it's real. Um, and, and, you know, and then the Pharaoh, who claims to be God. And, I mean, you just had this constant battle where the priests would tell people what to do, and then the Pharaoh would have to, like, somehow prove his godhood, but usually he could just get poisoned, and then the priests end up getting proven right, and they claim it was all, you know an act of whatever, of Ra, of Amun, you know, take your pick of the god of <laughs> Ninhurtzag, whatever. So I, I think that's really where that, that and so to, to kind of get back to more of the question, I think that's where that need came in. Because this priestly class experienced something that wasn't real, but sounded, but, you know, was so vivid that people believed it was real, and that that it, you know, they thought that the priests were protecting them from it and that they needed to be protected from it. And so they got used to the idea that there needs to be this one special person, the shaman, okay, in a tribal culture. Not the tribalism needs a shaman, but in this case, we've got one, okay, that the shaman would, um, you know, would be the one that would protect them. 
And, and I really, that, that's the best answer I've got. And I've, you know, there's, there's some degree of research on this, but you can only go so far to where, you know, you run out of, you run out of history. Um, <laughs> you know, of recorded history, I should say, not, not history itself, but you run out of recorded history. And so, you, you know, you run into a problem, but the, the best evidence in my opinion shows is that there was no religion whatsoever thousands of years ago. Uh, and that not that humans weren't creative, but that their creative pursuits, their creative efforts reflected reality. And then there's a point where it stops doing that. And that's when I think something, you know, some drug, some, you know, a sacred mushroom, whatever, entered the scene. And that's when the priestly class enters the scene, the shamans. And that's when eventually, you know, government comes into play where government becomes the will of God on earth. Uh, and that's why, you know, I've always said that religion, I think religion is more dangerous than governments. Because religion exists outside of, I mean, government is a fiction too. Okay, but you can look, you can point at your senator. You cannot point at the demon. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, how do you disprove that to somebody that's so, you know, that's just so damned believing? You can't. Or at least it seems like you can't most of the time. That's why religion is so dangerous. Um, in any of them, please. <laughs> okay, I'm not playing, I'm not knocking Christianity here. I, I mean, I'll, I'll happily knock Judaism. You know, take your pick. Uh, so, so that's my guess where, where the idea of heroes, you know, kind of, kind of came from. Now there's nothing wrong with, we got, you know, we need to differentiate a little bit. There's nothing wrong with role models. And sometimes the word hero gets, can be used interchangeably with role models. And that's okay. I really think that's okay. As long as you keep in mind that everybody's, you know, nobody's perfect. Everybody's got flaws. Everybody has shit they're working through. But you can have role models. You know, like I mentioned earlier in the show, Mike Elgin was a role model journalistically. Steve Gibson of Security Now was a role model for my podcast. Um, I've had lots of role models. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I could, I could go down a crazy list of pantheon of role models. And sometimes I will use the word hero for them. Um, but the idea that you need a man that is over you, you know, better than you or whatever, whatever however you want to perceive it, um, I think that really comes out of a just a complete from getting out of touch with reality. And it's something deeply, just, just so deeply seated in, in the concept of civilization itself. It's not something inside of humans, I don't think. Okay, humans get nurtured to think that they need this thing, that they need this kind of protection and all that, right? Um, I mean, I, you know, I, don't, I don't know if I want to go this far, but like even the idea, because some people will say, well, that it comes out of, you know, your dad is heroic and your mother was heroic. Well, you know, when you get into... Uh, some degree of evolutionary psychology, depending on which way you stand on it, because I don't buy into the whole RK shit. That, that, that's nonsense. And I've debunked it on Sovereign Tech already. Don't tell me I need to debunk it. I did. It's up to you to go find it. Okay? Really? Because that's what I keep getting told as well. If you don't think, you tell me where he said this and all. It's like, are you serious? Anyway, so there, I turned the tables. You go find it. Sorry, I'm not, I don't think anybody listening on Patreon would, would accuse me of any of this. <laughs> it's just, I'm just mouthing off. Um, but anyway, with the, the RK, or not, no, not with the RK, not at all with the RK. With evolutionary psychology, as, as I understand it and subscribe to it, okay, you, you know, babies really didn't know who their parents were. I, I do not agree, and I don't think the evidence holds up, 
that monogamy is something like natural, that that evolved. I just don't agree with that at all. And I think there is so much. You can just look at what we were talking about earlier, the representations of reality that were put on the cave walls by our ancient ancestors do not show the nuclear family. They don't. I'm not saying that it's wrong if you're in the nuclear family. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying that it wasn't a part of the program. And I think the evidence stands highly for that, despite what other pe- all these you know supposedly logical arguments people lay out for this sort of thing. There's nothing wrong with having a, a nuclear family. I'm not saying that, folks. I'm just saying that it wasn't there. Okay, so my point being is that kids had no idea who, you know, maybe who their parents were. I mean, maybe they'd have like a special feeling with their mother or something. Okay. But, you know, there, there was, they, everybody, you know, it takes a, uh, takes a village to raise a kid, right? That's how it was. And you can still find cultures today how that, where that's how it was. You know, they don't have this understanding of science and all that. They can't, you know, prove parentage, obviously. Um, so I don't think that it comes from the parents, this, this you know, need for a hero or someone to watch over them and all, and all of this. I, I, don't, I don't think that really happens um, uh, that way. I don't think like, that it's some kind of biological you know, uh, 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 imperative that exists. I think it's one that's nurtured because people just don't know any other way. It's, it's what they're taught, that this is how it is. Uh, and it doesn't, of course, obviously we know it doesn't have to be that way. Um, I'm not glorifying, you know, uh, Paleolithic humans by any means. Uh, I mean, I think there's some things that, that are worth looking into in that regard. Uh, we might talk about that in episode 191 of this week's Sovereign Tech. Uh, but, I, you know, I'm certainly not glorifying it as somehow like this is how you should live or anything like that. I'm not, I'm not saying that. Okay. Uh, but that's where I think heroes come from. It, it all starts with the shamans. It starts with the priestly class that, you know, through, through the use of psychedelics and whatever, brought on unreality to, you know, brought on supernaturalism. That's not real, but supernaturals and supernaturalism, superstitions, described them to other humans, and then other humans thought that they needed those that experienced, that had this quote-unquote supernatural experience to protect them from it and to guide them from it and to keep them away. I mean, and, and there's probably a million other things that, that, that happened within all that. Um, but that's, that's my theory. On, on how on how that really started. Um, if I were a religious person, I'll, I'll just lay this out. If I were a religious person, I would say that the, the the need for heroes and the need for governments and people being over you and all that started with uh, you know started with somebody trying to take the place of God, trying to take you away from God, uh, because God is the only authority. I mean, and even in you know Judeo Christian tradition. You get plenty of stories about that. Like I said, you have Nimrod. You have, uh, you know, the books of Samuel, um, where Samuel says, you don't want a king, you know? And it's interesting. When you look at the book of Judges, that's a pretty good way to set up a society, is that there is no one ruler. Everything's literally, society itself is decentralized. You know, the, the, the Israelites are in all these different little groups and all these different little towns. Each one has a judge. The judge cannot tell you what to do. He's just some kind of arbiter, you know, to some degree. And, uh, you know, and they were chosen by God through whatever means, you know. Um, but, I, you know, I mean, that, that it's fascinating that that's in Torah, you know, that that's in the, in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, um, you know, of how to set things up, because I think that's a pretty good direction to do it in. Uh, how did that come to be? Well, I mean, that that's another story. 
you know, how, how did they figure that out? Because obviously there isn't, or at least in my opinion, obviously not in my opinion, I think it's not opinion. There isn't a God. Okay. How did they, how did they put this together? How did they figure that out? Uh, that is worth exploring, you know, and you can ask me about it if you want me to explore it with you. Um, but anyway, that's right. Again, the idea of heroes comes from that, the shamanistic class, you know, the priestly class that, that came out of, you know, some psychedelic experience that a person just described really, really well and everybody else believed it, you know, because, uh, because how could someone not see this and describe it so well, you know, and we're so in touch with, you know, with reality and all that. Not, not to say that ancient humans were stupid. It's just that they didn't really have any reason to doubt, I think, especially the way it was probably so fervently described and how wild it was. It was such, such new ideas. And, you know, I, I, I'll just end off with this. Some people go so far, I think like maybe your Terrence McKenna's and some others, to say that without psychedelics, without, you know, mushrooms, that all, you know, psilocybin, all these different things, humanity would have never achieved all that it's achieved. You know, like computers and all these things. Because somebody had to dream that up. How'd they dream it up? Steve Jobs talks about how taking LSD was the best thing he ever did in his life. And look how great, uh, you know, look how great a life Steve Jobs led and all this stuff. Well... Correlations, not causation. <laughs> that, that's one of the first logical, uh, uh, you know, precepts I think that everybody should understand. But whatever. Um, but my, you know, to, to respond to that, um, no, I don't. I don't think there's there's any. I mean, one could argue that we could have evolved a lot faster if that never happened. You know, what really allowed for, you know, human creativity and all that, we, we now pretty much know was due to the, lar- the uh, you know, the regular ingestion of fat, you know, like literally of fat uh, that, you know, the humans ate that a lot in their meals. Uh, you know, the cooked foods is what allowed for, um, you know, is what allowed for the, the human brain to, 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 to achieve so much. Um, you know, maybe the, the priestly class could have harmed all kinds of things. I mean, who knows what could have been possible without it? I mean, but that, that's just the realm of speculation. But I'm just going to say that I don't think mushrooms and drugs were required for humans to achieve something wonderful. Um, in fact, the, the story might have been quite the opposite. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's all up to speculation. Anyway, woo! <laughs> uh, I think that's enough uh, for this week. How, how long did we go? Wow, we're, we're about to push two hours. Um, so thank you for all the questions. I will get to more next week, of course. Uh, I may release another episode this week uh, for people to consume uh, on Patreon only. Of course, there will be a new episode of Sovereign Tech this week on Saturday, as always. And uh, I've got some great stuff lined up, if I can get to it all. <laughs> so thank you to everybody for donating through Patreon. It means the world to me. Got some exciting stuff uh, coming up. And if you have any questions with anything I say on here, like I said, before you go walking away from me, let's talk about it, okay? I would love to be proven wrong on some of the things I think, believe me. Uh, but as yet, you know, I haven't had enough evidence to, you know, to say otherwise. So, and then there's some things that where we just have fun speculating, uh, much like with the question that we, that we just uh, went went over. Um, you know, I, I don't think I got into the solution of what to do about the state. Well, we talked about the solutions and it is grounding yourself in reality 
having children grow up with a firm grasp on reality. And how do you get children to grow up with a firm grasp of reality? By letting them explore, by not locking them away in the house, you know, by, by peaceful parenting and all this stuff, by really letting them experience it. I mean, the answer to, I think, to a lot of the question that was asked, we know, we know from the answers that we're already implementing, you know, as anarchists and whatever else in our personal lives. You know, and how we treat others and all that. You know, we don't we don't treat others because we're concerned some demon's going to swoop them up. You know, or, or or some fiction. You know, like uh, like a lot of terrorism is not all, but you know, I mean, I mean, there are people, there are bad people doing bad things. There's no question about that. Okay, um, but anyway, yeah, the the answer to a lot of these questions can be found in the solutions we're enacting today. I think so. Anyway, enough of that. Uh, Carpe Lucem, everybody. I will see you on Saturday, as always. And, of course, I'll see you on the other side. just experienced Sovereign Tech. Go to SovereignTech.com, that's S-O-V-R-Y-N Tech.com, and connect with us there. Find links from today's show and catch our podcast feed. Sovereign Tech is copy heart. Copying art is an act of love, and love is not subject to law. So please, share the show however you like. Welcome to the evolution.